the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Someone asked me recently about the St. Stephen's Tea, that beautiful and long-awaited ECW fundraising and social event that happens today. But there are some of you who don't need me to tell you that. You've been working all week here and more. So this person said, so what makes this event so special? Why do we need to do this? And this is my response. Now, I didn't check with the ECW first, so I see some raised eyebrows, so be generous. Um, this was my response. There is a lot of hard and heavy stuff going on in our world and in our own lives. Sometimes we just need a moment to enjoy nice things. Just a little time. A special time to gather with friends where things are beautiful, there are flowers, there are people, new friends and old, dedicated time and delicious treats. Sometimes we just need it. And in doing so, those times of gathering can make the fears and the hardships of this world more tolerable, if only for a minute. It's, it's like a moment's refreshment, like when your mouth is parched beyond dry and you get one sip of cool water. It brings a visceral feeling of satisfaction, of release and peace. And maybe I'm waxing a little poetic here, but maybe even gathering at the tea with tables full of joyous people gathering can also remind us of glimpses of the heavenly host at a divine banquet. Surely I'm not taking it too far when I say that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see this afternoon. We'll see how it goes. It's not lost on me, however, that in order to have nice things, much work has to be done to get to that point. There are countless people, some of whom may not even hear the words of our worship services today, or if they are here in person, maybe they're not even listening because they are tired of being at the church this week. Maybe they are exhausted because of all the preparations they have been doing. They've been preparing for years in some ways, and maybe there's just a whole lot of stress in some people right now. I'll name that. And so you who are feeling stressed are in our prayers. You're in my prayers right now that even when you and I work so hard to prepare spaces of nice things, God also invites us to slow down and truly, authentically experience them, to not let those moments dash by from 2 to 4 p.m. this afternoon, but to soak in the goodness and the hope and the warmth so that we feel and we see and we know and we believe. After all, isn't that why many people come to places of prayer? To slow down, to be surrounded by others who are willing to pray at the same time, to get centered 
to be with others as partners in faith, to ask questions, to listen for answers, to laugh, to cry, to hear about the good things that God promises, to believe that we really can return to God with penitent hearts, and as our collect says, to grow in faith by holding fast to the unchangeable truth of God's word in Jesus. We come here to find salvation, new life, and to feel a touch of the heavenly peace, just a touch of that heavenly peace in the chaos of our earthly life. So if you heard the sermon from last week, you may recall that John explored some of Nicodemus's story, and that's okay. I'm going to hold on to a different piece of Nicodemus's story today because he asks, or there's a really hard question asked in this reading. One rabbi rhetorically asks the other, if I told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Jesus faces Nicodemus under the cover of darkness, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus asking questions, and Jesus casts words of truth at the feet of the Pharisee. And then it is up to Nicodemus to wake up to the light and the truth and the healing and the hope of God. You see, as John named last week, Nicodemus is afraid as he's finding Jesus at night. It's a clandestine meeting. There's a reason for him going not during daytime. And so Nicodemus must face his greatest fears. We hear an allusion to Moses lifting up that servant, the serpent, excuse me, in the desert. Moses had a staff. God turned a serpent into a staff. Moses held it up. The people were hurting. And if they would look at that serpent staff, healing would come because they were facing their deepest fears. Have you ever had a time when maybe you walked alongside a friend or worked with a therapist to face your deepest fears so that you could have healing and release in a new and deeper way. Nicodemus had to face his greatest nemesis too. Nicodemus had to be reminded of his mortality and that he didn't understand it all in order to get to a place of healing and new life. As such, we hear in the gospel that Jesus must be lifted up. Now, when Jesus says those words, okay, he's been lifted up, but we know how that looked, right? How he, he died on a cross. He was lifted up on a cross, but it didn't end with that. He rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. He was lifted up so that the gates of eternal life are now open. So in this fascinating faith discussion that Jesus and Nicodemus have, 
Jesus then says the words that I memorized when I went to vacation Bible school at Church of the Holy Comforter in Montgomery in the 1980s. We memorized these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I can pretty much still remember those words. While we with Nicodemus may get tangled up in the how of how that new and eternal life is reached, Jesus reminds us of the why. And the why is love. The love given through gift freely. And with that invitation to believe. But let's not lose what follows in John 3:17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came as a gift of God's own compassionate nature in love. And while as humans we think that because of our sinful choices and flawed actions that condemnation is totally due to us, God, being God, is surprising. God sent God's Son to save the world, to turn the world upside down. Salvation was sent to us. That new life, that refreshment, that cold drink of refreshing water. Or even better, on a warm spring morning on a holy hike, the breath of the Holy Spirit stirring the trees and moving the wind around us. For this God, this compassionate God, is the same God who made a promise to Abraham and echoed that promise to Isaac and Jacob, the promise of legacy, of name, of blessing. And by the continued telling of the faith of Abraham, others of the earth would be blessed by hearing of that blessing praying that we too could be like Abraham, one who lived righteously by faith and through his faith. If I were to look at the notes of my sermons, I would probably see that often I write about wrestling with faith. Because there are times when I do, and I wonder the hows. I think I get swept up into a Nicodemus mindset of, how, how? I need the how. Can I have the manual, please? But I think each of us wrestles with faith. I don't think that's bad. I think it's like gardening. You dig deeper so that the roots can grow more, more beautifully and healthfully. Each of us wrestles, and those who came before us did too. This is nothing new under the sun. And friends, we repent daily. And we return to God as we wander. And as I think about Abraham and blessing, I... I wanted to understand a little bit more from some different perspectives about blessing. And oftentimes I go to John O'Donohue, who wrote one of my favorite books to give as a gift. 
It's called To Bless the Space Between Us. It's a book of blessings, To Bless the Space Between Us. Here's what John O'Donohue wrote about blessings. He said, blessings are a gracious invocation, a, a, a calling forth where the human heart pleads with the divine heart. The human heart pleads with the divine heart. It's a meeting of the human and the divine. And he says, blessings feel like a sense of warmth and protection where no life is alone or unreachable. And O'Donohue continues, the quiet light that shines in every heart enables us to recognize and receive our own presence here, our very existence as a blessing. So we're able to see that we can be blessings too. It's as if blessings open the doors, shifting the atmosphere, and God is present in all of that. So whether we are living into the faithfulness of Abraham, Nicodemus, the Apostle Paul, or modern-day saints like Mother Teresa, the Lord calls us to come home to ourselves as beautiful and beloved children of God, to be close to God through thought, word, and deed. And so I leave you with this blessing from John O'Donohue to come home to yourself. May all that is unforgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. May all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with God's love. And may all of the blessings of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit keep you this day and evermore. Amen.